Martin, thank you for, as expected, uh, a terrific presentation. I find it amazing that you're able to collect all this data so consistently and uh, analyze them, not just analyze them, but synthesize and come out with these conclusions. So thank you very much. Um, I'd like to ask Felix to come and take over uh, for the next panel. <clears throat> and also, I'll kindly ask the panelists to join. Uh, and the next panel will be on the very interesting topic of uh, where to invest in shipping today. By the way, wh while everybody is uh, <clears throat> coming up, I'd like to share a story with Martin. Um, we did uh, a webinar with Martin that was supposed to last for uh, 45 minutes. And then as we got in and people started asking questions, uh, Martin was okay. He said, let's go. To make a long story short, that 45-minute uh, webinar lasted for three hours. <laughs> it was a marathon one. So anyway, Felix, um, thank you to everybody for joining us. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, so first of all, introducing our great panel that we have here today. On my right is Christoph Töpfer, Robert Ponta, John Vessel, Hannes Hollander and Paolo Almeida, and um, we shall have the pleasure of talking about charting corporate and investment strategy in the shipping industry. Now, maybe a question first of all to the entire group of my panel, but having heard everything that's going on in the maritime industry today, war, sanctions, regulation, uncertainty in terms of fuel, designs, etc., is this actually an industry you want to invest in today, or is it very difficult for you? Paulo, maybe starting with you. I don't want to um, uh, sort of set aside the, the concerns that you raised, Felix and the other panelists and speakers um, have raised in terms of hugely, um, um, huge areas of uncertainty in the industry, both exogenous and endogenous, exogenous, the geopolitical situation, um, uh, macroeconomic situation, um, especially the one that we've been facing um, in the UK uh, as well over the past uh, over the past few months, and then within the industry, we have um, clearly a long voyage to uh, to decarbonization, um, which uh, uh, has been has been touched on, of course. But um, clearly, shipping is a it's an essential industry. It produces um, uh, over the cycle decent cash flows if if investing is done well, and most importantly, or not not necessarily most importantly, but one of the key investment uh, themes that we've seen over the uh, over the past couple of years, and it's it's really hit well with our target investors, is one it, it continues to show that it's a very strong diversifier. Um, in terms of if you look, look at what's happened in the past couple of years that many times when things go wrong in the world, COVID um, uh, attacks in, on Saudi uh, oil facilities, sanctions, you know, things that, are that in many ways are bad for most of the world, sometimes are quite positive for shipping. Not that we want to benefit from other people's misery, but diversification is important and also shipping um, I'm not going to say that it always performs well in 
periods of high inflation because uh, Dr. Stopford has called me out on that one before. But in many uh, periods of high inflation, shipping has performed quite well, and that's also something that's very valuable to many investors whose liabilities are linked to, uh, to inflation. Yeah, and I think we, we'll touch upon that as well, but I think you, you, you mentioned a very important point with regard to investors and giving uncertainty and avoiding mistakes. The source of capital is quite important, and maybe, John, your perspective in terms of is it a good time to actually invest in shipping today or not, like representing your principles a bit more? Um, sure. I can only follow Paolo, and I wouldn't dare to challenge Mr. Stopford, but maybe I would call it un unforeseen inflation or very sudden inflation. I think shipping remains a completely uncorrelated asset class of global stock markets, and yes, it is still interesting, and there continues to be tax-efficient structures, so yes, it continues to be a good investment. Christoph, Mr. Ponto, any differing views, or are you sitting on your hands, very active at the moment, or, or what are your activities? Um, yeah, but look, my, my view is that uh, shipping um, is always going to be there, of course. It's the second oldest profession in the world, and there will always be shipping. It also will always be volatile, so it will always have something to offer for younger people as well. Uh, it is a technology business uh, to, to a large extent. Um, it's a business that right now this conference illustrates this quite clearly. Um, everything is about sustainability, ESG, etc. Nobody talks about demand and supply anymore, seems like it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the successful investment will still come down to a large extent to demand and supply. Now, it doesn't mean that the other topics are not important, but, uh, but it seems to be uh, almost uh, sometimes ignored or forgotten. Um, and uh, of course, at this time right now, it's, it's a difficult market. It, everything, uh, you know, we hear from our investors, we see it ourselves, um, the word uh, peak cycle, uh, everything seems expensive. So, but, uh, you know, um, I remember back in 2010, Mr. Budelmann, some people still remember him, he said to me, once a, one of the most difficult things for ship owners is to sit on the hands. Uh, and uh, sometimes there's periods where you have to sit on your hands. Um, some people can do it easier. A private ship owner can probably do this easier than someone like us. We have to kind of always develop new ideas. But um, it's, it's, you know, there will be new opportunities coming, and one just has to be, you know, open-minded and, and aware and, uh, and uh, spend a lot of time reading up and figuring out what's, what's happening. Anything to add from your side, or...? Are we all in quorum? Because if yes, then maybe oh, moving yeah. on to Paolo, it would be just interesting to hear you say, yes, shipping offers an attractive return also for the investor side. What sectors are you focused on today? You have been very active oh, on the container side. What's, what's your outlook there? We know you have maybe been in, on, on the selling side as well. So what's your expectation? Where will the projects come, for, uh, come from in the next, say, 18 months or so for you and for your investors? Uh, well, um, I think it's... it's um uh, fairly public uh, knowledge that we we have been divesting from uh, container ships over the past uh, 12 to 18 months, not because we had a you know we didn't take a view that that um, in the summer of um, 2022 that freight rates would would start uh, declining and this would lead to um, large drops in time charter rates, et cetera, but we did take a view that with, as, as Christoph rightly said, you have to look at supply demand. And um, 
again, not that we particularly thought that um, demand trends were very negative, but we did think that there was very little, if any, upside in demand from where we were a year ago, and, and clearly there's a lot of supply coming. So we've, we significantly reduced our exposure to um, uh, container ships, although we, we still have some primarily on longer term uh, charters, and we put more capital to work in tankers. Um, again, um, not thinking that the market would be anywhere near as strong as it actually is uh, today, but then, but from a basic supply demand uh, situation, uh, order book is very small in tankers and in bulkers. Uh, global inventories of of uh, product were very very low um, after the huge floating storage boom of uh, of 2020, and we knew that demand would come back again. Not having a very firm view that that the world would fully reopen after COVID, um, but knowing that those inventories had to be rebuilt, and that's exactly what's happened. And of course, it's it's. Um, the tanker markets, especially product, but also crude now, have been ex uh, outperforming primarily because of the dislocations caused by um, uh, by uh, sanctions against uh, against Russia. And again, we don't want to um, uh, benefit from other people's um, difficult uh, situations, but it just does show that in many cases, um, geopolitical events um, do benefit. Um, shipping, because shipping is normally so efficient that when something changes, it tends to um, to reduce reduce supply or increase demand. When you have both, of course, it's, a, it's an excellent combination. So, John, your group is also quite active uh, on the tanker side. Is, is, is that something that you would echo? And maybe as we are talking also a bit about planning, etc., how do you finance your investments today, and do you see an abundance of capital, maybe outside capital, next to your uh, to your shareholders? Speaking about the banks, do you see any restrictions now following the increase in interest rates or anything like that? And maybe that's also open for, for the entire group just to hear what your Thanks. experience at the moment is. Uh, that's a hell of a lot question. of questions. Um, uh, yes, uh, probably uh, tankers, yes, we, I think in, in general, it is still important as ever to speak to your customers and listen to what they want and then develop opportunities together with them. We have done so in, uh, together with uh, the, the oil majors, but also oil traders, and still continue to invest in the tanker markets, yes. Um, that is probably not the classic asset play, but um, it still works from a, from a return perspective. In terms of, of capital, um, maybe addressing the, the, the banks first, um, I think we still see continue inflow of, of uh, debt into the market from traditional banks, new or traditional banks coming back to the market, but also uh, hedge fund backed banks. Um, and the whole space tends to be very crowded. I think it, if you've been a bank in the last two years, it was great times. Um, you were able to lend at, um, at good returns and at a significantly low collateral level. Um, however, these, especially when you were focusing on older vessels, 8 to 12 year old, uh, old, but now these vessels have all been sold, especially in the container segment, and maybe there are some opportunities in the tanker sector, as I mentioned, but apart from that, I think the space is getting very crowded now. Many banks have a lot of capital to deploy, so I think it will be very difficult for banks to build up a good loan book, and the margins 
probably will be decreased and probably at higher risk levels. Having said that, that is obviously good for, for ship owners. Um, we are not complaining. And if we see something why the banks would retreat, then it is increased uncertainty about regulations on all fronts, um, especially from traditional lenders. And luckily, here in the room, a lot of lawyers who are more than willing to uh, help with that, especially uh, in, in, within 150 pages framework contracts. Um, however, uh, if they will retreat, then I fear only for the, for the increasing regulations. Which other question was there of the many? <laughs> I think you, you basically address everything that, that we have. Yeah. So think, I think uh, that, was, that was very John, useful. Uh, I think John, I would echo that. The availability of capital is not our core problem. Uh, also, referring to uh, Martin's uh, opening speech here after lunch, um, I think the, the picture of the investment volume that's coming towards the industry is, um, whether it's this figure or that figure, but it's huge. Um, and that in an environment where we have uh, regulation, difficult political environment, sanctions, uh, block building, Brexit in between as a smaller issue even these days, um, technology changes, technology development, not clear which one will prevail. So in that uncertain scenario, to ramp up this amount of investment uh, will be difficult. And uh, I think it's quite likely to expect that there will be a little bit strategic thinking uh, under investments, at least in segments of our industry, which then again um, <coughs> brings the interesting investment opportunities uh, I think that we are all, when we do investments, are really looking for. Um, so in a sense, uh, I think it's yeah exciting time to employ capital in the industry. Um, it is maybe with more chances, but also with higher risks than we have seen in the past. Usually these things correlate. Mm. But um, the environment does offer strategic opportunities. You believe it has become more difficult to make investment decisions given all these uncertainties, or because the shipping cycles have been up and down over years? So you believe that it has fundamentally changed in, in terms of how you go about, how you analyze projects, etc., or is, is that still the same toolkit? I think that's a question really applied to all, to be honest. So. Some things are the same, like supply and demand, uh, fundamentals are the same, but the, uh, there are added uh, complication factors, technology decisions, regulatory framework, uh, which makes the execution of uh, transactions sometimes more difficult, additional requirements, um, yeah, no, there are obstacles. There are obstacles, but obstacles, again, they also create opportunities for those who are willing to put in the extra effort to deal with your obstacles. I mean, putting in the extra effort, does that mean you, you have to hire new people, new teams that also look into more, let's say, energy transition? Is that something that maybe also changes the investment teams of, of, of the gentlemen here at the table? Or have you invested in that? Is that something that you are going to invest in the future? Any thoughts on that? I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's, that's been a key, um, and sorry, I didn't mean to, to say I'd only take it, but um, I'm happy to, happy, happy to take that first. Um, that's been uh, probably our biggest area of investment over the past uh, 18 or 24 months, um, adding both people 
uh, people uh, in, in London, US, and Cyprus, actually. Uh, um, US is a new area for us, uh, geographically. Um, the uh, in terms of how we improve the uh, carbon footprint of our current fleet, um, which is probably about two-thirds, sorry, one-third uh, of that mix and two-thirds um, identifying investment opportunities and matching um, deal pipeline with new sources of capital for us, or not necessarily new types of sources of capital. We've historically um, had 80 or 90 percent of our capital from um, large pension funds. We think that will continue to be the case, but they may be um, pension funds from other parts of the world than they have been historically, who are very, very interested in, um, in decarbonization. It's a huge theme for, um, um, for many institutional uh, investors. And um, of course, we don't have all the answers, um, but I think we're gonna make a lot of progress on that over the next, over the next few years. Okay, well, and actually adding to that, um, which I just mentioned, um, pressure being put on from charter side, but also on the debt side in particular, uh, will actually lead to uh, more human capacity being added to the companies in order to apply and, and all, not only apply, but also fulfill the requirements we all have to this industry has to face. And actually sourcing this human capital is, is a, probably a complete different panel discussion. Yeah. But um, definitely an issue. Yeah, I think so you uh, primarily, yes, sorry. If you want to put it in an investment perspective, uh, then we can put it on the panel here. Um, I think we have to invest in uh, human resources, yeah. not only steel. Absolutely. Now, I think what we have touched upon quite a lot is regulation, sanctions, but talking a bit about also geopolitical tensions at the moment, and maybe Hannes also when considering ship owners today deciding between new bills and secondhand tonnage, has there been a, a paradigm shift also with regard to China? Have there been any worries also from the banking side, maybe that people are not so open to lend towards Chinese vessels? Is, is there anything that you're observing from your clients? Uh, that's actually quite a lot of time I spend ex exactly on that subject. Um, and um, that worries me a lot um, indeed. Um, I'm flying to China on Monday. Um, I will stay 10 days in quarantine. <coughs> Um, being imprisoned there for 10 days, so let's see. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm concerned about the uh, shipbuilding capacity in the future, actually. Um, China is somewhat system relevant for us in shipping, and we all agree, and your initial question was, is it a good time in, to invest into shipping? We all need shipping. I think we don't need to argue um, about that. It's, it's very essential for our globalized world. Even if we deglobalize a little bit, it remains very essential. Um, we have an, um, a transition for the propulsion concepts, concepts ongoing. We need to work out um, a new fleet with a new propulsion concepts. But if this system-relevant player, China, is um, yeah, getting into a situation where Traveling becomes more difficult, where um, we may be, where we maybe not feeling so welcome there anymore. Plus, and this is now very essential, um, if our financial institutions are maybe not willing to finance 
these products anymore. That's what worries me a lot. And um, I've had uh, a recent discussion um, with, uh, with one of our partners um, who wanted to place an order and he declined, not due to the market development, but um, he advised um, that the bank is not willing to finance the Chinese risk anymore. Oh, that, um, that worries me, to be honest. Um, I'm not so much worried about the concepts for our new propulsion technologies. A lot of people in our industries, in our industry are working on that. Um, and I think we have now um, quite a setup, or quite a different bunch of uh, setups um, which we can choose from. Um, I find um, uh, personally a few segments very interesting to invest into. Um, there are, if you, if, you, if you look at the different order books um, right now, for example, uh, on, on the container side, I'm not too sure. Uh, maybe it was a smart move uh, to, um, um, to sell many ships. Um, but there are certain segments at Rove. You, you, you um, are also very active in that field. Um, on the rather smaller ship side, uh, where I'm expecting, um, for example, ships being employed um, uh, in, the, uh, in the renewable industry, which I forecast, which we forecast a lot of demand for in the future, and where the new building order books look not so big, actually pretty small. And um, so if, if, if you're looking into those, um, I think shipping investment today is still super interesting. Which, with, which other question did I miss? No, I think you actually covered basically okay. what, what we asked, but maybe a question just on the panel, Rovil or Christoph, would you order a ship in China today? Irrespective of the sector, right? So just, you, just in terms of the risk, <laughs> is that something that you would be willing to do? Yeah, Hannes just said that he's worried about the, the, the shipyard capacity given the geopolitical situation and, and, and China and, uh, and banks not willing to potentially um, take Chinese risk. And this may be the same for, for some of the capital on the, on the equity side. To, for me, this excites me. You know, yeah, because obviously, uh, yes. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, I mean, you know, as a broker, of course, you want a transaction, so it's different. Uh, but as someone, you know, who invests into shipping, um, having limited shipyard capacity at a time when there is potentially huge demand eventually coming, you know, um, Martin Stopwood suggested in the early 30s or mid 30s for this to happen. Uh, we obviously all know that the order book in, uh, is, is low generally, except maybe containers, but otherwise it's low because of technology concerns, et cetera. And if you're then coming into a phase in the next few years, how long it may take, I don't know, but uh, where actually shipyard capacity in China is maybe not as readily available, it's obviously a fantastic time for, for, for ship owners. I, I, that's yeah. exactly the point, Christoph. That's yeah. exactly the point. The um, lower the supply of shipyard capacity is, the better for us in the, in the industry. Um, yeah. That's a perfect, perfect storm. But uh, time being, I would say we would order ships in China. Um, if the sanctions um, would not allow that or other things would not allow a different story, but uh, time being, I think uh, business is ongoing despite the political situation, which is uh, becoming more cloudy. Do you see any restrictions from your capital to, to do that? Um, for example, maybe Paolo or also from, from, from your investors, is that something where you say, hey, we, we get pushback in terms of 
for example, moving into China to, to acquire vessels? Is there a risk that is, that is perceived, or is that not the case? That is not something that we have really seen to, uh, uh, to any extent at all, actually. You know, clearly, some of the cloudiness in the, the Chinese situation has only become, well, the cloudiness has become more cloudy in the past two or three weeks with the, the, uh, the recent developments. Um, although it was, it was uh, I think everyone, the consensus was that, uh, that the precedent of two terms um, would, uh, uh, would not be respected or not happen again this time around. But um, no, I really don't think that that is, um, that the situation is, is, you know, clearly there's some concern there, um, but not that would uh, prevent um, looking at new builds. Um, right. in, in China, but possibly at sort of third, fourth tier shipyards, but that has very little to do with uh, the political situation. Yeah, that has could change, things. could change, but um, I, I don't see that as an issue right now. Oh. Okay, no, I think that's, that's, that's very interesting. And I think maybe switching gears a little bit, we have talked obviously a lot about containers and, and the different sectors, but maybe speaking to someone who actually has become quite a bit of an offshore owner these days as well. So with regard to Christoph and talking a bit how diversified your fleet is, and just having made that push into the offshore sector very early, um, maybe you can just walk us through a little bit how you decided to move into that segment at the time, and then maybe how has that also helped you to balance your portfolio or your fleet portfolio today? I know everyone on the panel is quite diversified, but I think your move has been quite, uh, quite significant, and uh, yeah, would be great to hear that. Yeah, I think in general, obviously here in Hamburg, we were known as a container owner, um, which is no longer really the case. We still have about 10 container ships, but uh, you know, we are an organization where we have to continuously challenge ourselves and think about new ideas and, and, and think about what else we can do. Uh, and so we were selling off, uh, we sold off 40 container ships in the last uh, 24 months. Um, and I spent probably uh, half of my time over the last 12 months um, just looking offshore. Um, uh, we felt that uh, offshore, and this is basically back in 2021, we felt that offshore was, uh, was uh, underinvested, uh, lack of capital, ESG concerns or ESG limitations for capital to move in, existing players all in distress, banks have rolled that you know, three or four times, tired of it. Um, but at the same time, on the, the demand supply side, you know, you could see that it was an underinvested sector where there was uh, also capital spending was down on the exploration side and production side, and that there had to come a change. You know, we all see the graphs, and uh, for Martin Stopford as well, how you know suddenly you know oil has been going up, and suddenly chinks. It's like a pyramid. It's suddenly from now on, it's going to go down. Not sure that's always going to work like this, and also even if it goes down on that uh, that trajectory, uh, you will still have to have a lot of uh, exploration production activities, um, and the capital is not uh, sometimes there. So we we looked at it uh, quite intensively. We had started to to dip our toes into the water back in 1819. We thought the timing was great, then COVID told us slightly different uh, on that side of the business. Luckily, we worked out on containers. But then we really doubled down heavily last year into the offshore market and uh, built a, a, an offshore fleet. We built a team in Norway uh, that manages this fleet. Uh, and it's been, yeah, it's been obviously a great, great timing. Um, uh, you know, lucky, uh, but better be lucky than smart. So, so we take that. Um, and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a sector that excites us, but there's other things. You know, we as an organization, we are, you know, maybe unknown also to many here in Hamburg. We are probably one of the largest uh, 
operators of short-sea chemical tankers in Europe. We operate about 25 chemical tankers. You know, again, it's a sector that we, we, we didn't divest of. We had the feeling it was an underinvested sector, too little capital oriented, no banks, no equity, uh, and you had actually the declining fleet. Uh, but at the same time, you, you, as soon as the market was going to see a little bit of uptake, it was going to be you know, showing a shortage of supply. And we had the best chemical tanker year ever. Uh, so far this year. So there's always opportunities. Uh, I said earlier that uh, sometimes it's difficult. This market is difficult right now. Offshore has also adjusted up. Uh, we still believe the opportunities. We still believe that that uh, cycle has, has legs to run. But obviously, it's not as cheap anymore to get into it uh, as what it was last year. Um, but, you know, just be, you know, look around and you will see opportunities coming your way. And uh, this market, uh, you know, will see some distress coming again as well at some stage and it will come from somewhere we just didn't expect it to come from. Well, interesting also that you, that you decided to build your own team that's going to, to do that. So was it ever a consideration, A, either to just outsource everything, or was it always the aim, we want to internalize it, or you could, for example, also take over one of the distressed uh, offshore companies that are out there? Yeah, we looked at uh, acquiring some of the existing uh, Norwegian um, Owners and if there's some Norwegians in the room, they know what I mean. Then uh, you know when you look at the west coast of Norway, you know the the owners there are not uh, necessarily uh, they're very stuck in their own way. And uh, for someone to come uh, from London, they see us as a kind of a hedge fund, you know, aggressive guys and whatever. So which we are not, but uh, well, unlike so Hamburg, yeah. <laughs> but difficult to difficult to marry this. And uh, as as an organization, we have always focused on building our own commercial outfit. So we have outsourced a lot uh, uh, in the past, always technical management, and uh, you know worked with many many of the Hamburg owners on on that. Um, uh, but commercially, uh, we've done it uh, in the, on the container side, we've done it on the chemical side, and also on the offshore side. We've always built our generally our own commercial platforms, and using that as basically then a lack to potentially also go into other things like technical. Um, but uh, taking over in this case was, in our view, not attractive, or the right player wasn't there. And so we had the right team, and, and, uh, and we, we were very lucky to find this team at the right moment in time and able to basically take that as a core for our strategy because you know some of the anchor handlers we bought you know are, are very very sophisticated uh, animals and uh, i wouldn't ha have a clue how to operate them um just one other thing that uh, that i want to just maybe add to it um, one of the things that was very interesting for our offshore strategy was that some of the assets or most of the assets we bought last year all had uh, had a played role in the energy transition, and that was very much also key of our thesis that uh, what you know the, these assets are very very suitable for conversions into SOVs, on one side that's for the PSVs, but also our anchor handlers which we bought are going to be uh, the core of the backbone for the floating wind fund market in the future. And within two weeks of having actually agreed uh, the purchase of these vessels, even having had not taken delivery, we had the first offshore wind farm uh, market player coming to us and saying, we need, we need those ships in three years' time. And in the meantime, we have a second one coming. And so these, this is something that's also been understood now. Um, maybe 12 months ago, people hadn't yet had it on the radar as much. But uh, some of these assets are key for the energy transitions into wind, uh, and we just don't have any new buildings. We don't have uh, any investments or a lack of investments into, into new buildings for that floating wind farm market. Hence, conversions and, and also using existing assets will be a fantastic additional demand coming into a sector that already is actually having demand coming up from the, from the, uh, from the uh, exploration and production side.
I think conversions is a very, very interesting topic. And I mean, Hannes has, has been also, or your, your group has also been active in, in, in the offshore P3 space. Do you, do you still see opportunities to do that today? Or is that more difficult where prices have gone? Um, if you simply look at demand and supply from the um, heavy lift and multi-purpose uh, market, as well as uh, short sea, which are active in that field as well, and that's what we are, that markets we are specifically researching a lot, um, I'm extremely bullish about those markets. Um, I'm expecting a lot of demand for it um, due to the energy transition which will come, and um, I think the geopolitical situation is just boosting it. Um, as Paolo has, yeah, Rightly put it, I think politically you put it right, um, these situations are unfortunately good for shipping. So yeah. we, as, take off your group, I mean you have been successfully div um, also diversifying into, into tankers and other sectors away from containers originally, is, is, uh, what's your approach usually when, when you go about that? I must say similar to, uh, to Christoph, uh, we we look for the investment opportunities and uh, quite often then as the business is moving, investments are allocated, you have uh, strong investments in some segments, le less in others. Uh, you can strategically, uh, these underinvestments are kind of visible, kind of detectable, like uh, your decisions to move into, uh, into offshore or chemical tankers. Um, doesn't mean that at, at a specific market moment you say, oh, uh, within these three months is exactly the window, but strategically we can see we should maybe move um, in the, between the segments. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there remain uh, interesting uh, investment opportunities. Um, the thing is sometimes we have to move out of the, the segments that are um, mainstream that we can, uh, on a handy size or a supermax or a cape size, I can follow the index every day, which is very convenient, makes it easy to explain to investors, but, um, and sometimes it's a good segment to invest in, sometimes maybe I have to go to segments that are less transparent, uh, less visible, and there's a lot of those in, in shipping. In the smaller ship segment, um, which Hannes mentioned from uh, say starting with the, from coaster vessels to smaller MPPs to bigger MPPs to heavy lift moving into the offshore uh, wind scenery. Uh, there are a lot of small segments here and there uh, where um, I think we can, we can take a bet that parts of this are underinvested currently. Oh, fully noted. Um, I guess we've talked a lot about now the traditional asset classes, also alternative vessel types that you could invest in. Now, what we've recently witnessed, also coming from, from the Norwegian market, we've recently really witnessed quite a strong shift also from traditional ship owners or ship owning families uh, towards more financial investments. So meaning taking uh, considerable positions within listed entities, um, alternatively playing the bond market in different sectors that people are convinced they are offering them the right type of risk and return. I understand obviously that, that your mandates um, in particular on the external capital might prevent you from doing so, but if you were in a position where you had to choose between investing into steel or let's say a bond of a company with 50% loan to value that yields you 10 plus yield to maturity over three years, what would you do? 
to the group. We can start from Paolo, but I'm, I'm indifferent, really. Well, um, I think that um, one of the things that we've been talking about is the, the, the value of diversification if we own different asset types. So the answer to your question, Felix, must be obviously that we'd try to do a little bit of both, wouldn't it? Um, and then have the opportunity to, to, to uh, move capital from one to the other as well, including potentially looking at, I mean, bonds or, or loans is one thing. I don't think that any of us, perhaps other than um, with, um, with uh, small amounts of personal capital, are um, investing much in, in the listed equity space where there's a lot more uh, operational and financial leverage than how we run our, our own investments. But I think that today, like you said, with, um, um, with, with money having time value again and, um, and capital being more difficult to come by, that there will be some um, private debt investments that probably are attractive as part of a, part of a portfolio. Maybe to, to add to that, um, we would certainly look at, at this as well, um, also just from a diversification perspective. Um, however, especially when it comes to like capital intense industry like the offshore industry, um, even probably going bigger than offshore vessels going into rigs, there are certainly things we would look at. But as Porto said, we wouldn't be in this business if we wouldn't focus on the operational advantage we have. And we also wouldn't invest in it if we couldn't judge these opportunities by the operational background we have. So uh, in the end, this is, although this might be now an interesting moment to look at, I don't think this is a long-term uh, investment philosophy. Any views? Um, I mean, if you, if you ask me personally, I, uh, I would always tend to invest something that is operational. That's probably why we are sitting here as being investors in, in ships, in steel, in, in operation, in people. Um, but from an analytical point of view, yes, it does make sense to diversify. Um, we, are do, we have done it only very occasional. Um, sometimes when you are in the market uh, and you take a view on what steel you are buying, you can also take a view what equities you would be buying how an industry segment container shipping, for example, should develop. So there were certainly opportunities that we took uh, buying relatively early on, some container shares, which uh, actually paid out very well um, while selling the container ships uh, at around the same time. So, uh, yeah, there are these opportunities to go into equities, but it's not our natural um, hunting ground. Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I consider shipping bonds um, as a good parking parking lot right now for some money. Um, uh, you have bonds, basically, most of the bonds are probably between six to ten percent um, yield right now, which is which is which is pretty attractive. It's below inflation. Depends about, again about your inflation basket. You might your basket might be different than what the statistics say, because maybe new buildings are not going to be as expensive in 12 to 18 months time. And so actually maybe there's a negative inflation. In the meantime, you park your money in some shipping bonds. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's a good, uh, good opportunity there. Yeah. Okay, we're almost done on time, I see. So maybe just as a rounding up for, for the group, just in two words, next 80, 12 to 24 months, what, where would you put your money if you had to invest in one vessel? <laughs> 
starting with Christopher. Offshore. Opportunistic. Price, uh, <laughs> money talks, if there's the right price. Uh, but I would expect the right price in offshore or in selected um, heavy lift multi-purpose segment. Crude, I guess. <laughs> heavy lift. Always heavy lift. Chemical tankers. Very diverse. So, thank you like very much, you everyone. <laughs> 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 <laughs>